0: This is CliffCentral dot com. Good morning and welcome to Disrupt with Empowerment Lapo. Thank you for joining us um, once again. Um on this show we focus on uh, immersive disruption and we have in-depth conversations with industry leaders, thought leaders, and individuals that can really understand how to navigate this fast-changing world that we exist in today. Um in the studio with me today I've got someone who is not unfamiliar uh, to Cliff Central. Um, a well-known uh, journalist, uh, trend analyst, um, a thought leader, and really someone who's helped to guide um, South African Africans on how to exist um, in this fast-changing world, how to adapt as trends change Uh Dion Chang, welcome to Disrupt with Employment Lab. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's
1: a great pleasure and honor to be here again.
0: Thank you for, for joining me. Um, Dion, you've, you've sp- you speak a lot. I mean, you spend yes. a lot of time with different audiences. You speak with different hats on. Yes. And today we really want to distill, um, this wealth of knowledge that we have and really focus it around how, you know, the, this, this mantra that you push about how disruption is business strategy, how trends can influence business strategy. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Flux Trends, your company, before we get into the topic, can you just tell us a little bit about the, the company, what it does and also the name, how that came
1: about. Sure. Um it uh, we celebrated our tenth our anniversary last year, so so we must be doing something right that Fantastic, we managed yes. to, to run for a, a whole decade. Um it uh Flux started as uh uh, back then, I think there was a, still a lot of uh, information that's just being flung around. I mean, it's just increased exponentially now. Mm. But um, I started Flux as a, as a information distillation service because I, I just thought – um, that there was just too much uh, Information out And people just needed to get Those kind of bite-sized Ways of looking at things But my methodology From the start So this is uh, Really going old school Because what I did As a hobby uh-huh. Was actually clip Newspaper articles That interested me ah. And at the end of the year I would just Start sorting them Into different piles So I had a political pile I had a technology pile I had a You know Medical or whatever As a hobby culture, As a hobby Before just, you even started the Before company. I even started wow. And I just I, I was just interested In seeing where all of this information would start clumping and where all these patterns would start emerging okay and i remember one of the things that i clipped and and, and it's it, it strange that it stuck in my head because it it's sort of it, it's um, formed part of the methodology that we do so so a um, the different pillars is 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 very important because i saw from that what we were losing in an information age was interconnectivity okay so the that the effect of politics, of the economy, of tech, or whatever, had a knock-on effect on something else. I see. So, okay. So for me, that and cro- looking across industry is hyper, hyper important because I think so many people look at their own industries uh, with blinkers on because you're just trying to cope. You can't... Uh, uh, absorb all of that information but if you put those blinkers on you miss out on what's happening in other industries which is probably going to come and hit your industry anyway yeah there's interconnectivity um your generation gap gets wider you're just you just you know put those blinkers on and, and it's to your detriment so that's what we we try and do and about sort of halfway through the 10 years I pivoted my my own business model and we started looking at trends as business strategy because okay. we were sort of falling into the trap of where most research companies fall, which is just looking at consumer mindset. But I thought that was a little bit uh, too one-dimensional. I wanted to go a little bit deeper. So okay. we went into trends as business strategy and coincidentally, but uh, obviously I, I was feeling some kind of a trend tremor, Yeah, um, we looked at at disruption when disruption was just starting. So the whole digitization process, um, all of the new tech that was sort of coming in, social media was just hitting its stride and, and really sort of embedding itself into not just passing on information, but, you know, Twitter being a breaking news uh Platform, all of those things were starting to crystallise. Okay, um, and so for the last five years, I've really focused on on disruption. So much so that somebody said, uh, "Oh, you that uh, disruption management consultant. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that one. It's Absolutely, fine. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, nice a new phrase, um, and and so so we've started building on that. And then the one of the the, the most surprising things, uh, but but one that gives me great joy, is about two or three years ago I started to be invited by the different business schools. To actually lecture um, A trends module A trends business strategy module um, To senior management And to executives So oh. I thought that was a a really strange uh, twist of fate. Because um, at the time you'd been fo- focused more on the consumer side. Yes, yeah. Okay. And and so it it just told me that that pivot was was a, a really good pivot and and the right pivot. Yes. Um. And and what I I see over and over again uh, to your opening and and about disruption is that I think people understand that there's disruption. They're not quite sure what to do and how to imp- implement those changes. Um, and that's what we do is we really start looking at it holistically and trying to connect all the dots, uh, as is our methodology and looking at, at at different factors, but specifically looking at company cultures and the skills within that, within that company because yes. people just, companies face disruption and say, okay, this external thing is going to hit us. Um, how do we do it? But they don't examine internally what they should change or how they should adj- change and, and, and adapt. Um, and and you can you can see well I can see uh, on a daily basis the, the 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 templates of business we use mm. are spawned in the 20th century. So you've got you know your your labour laws, your uh, the work structure, the the quaint nine to five. Yes, yes <laughs> we're still yeah. forced to do, even though we're all remote workers. Um, the 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 siloed ways of companies, the hierarchical ways of companies, those are not conducive to being. Adaptive or very agile. And that's why you're seeing a lot of companies just struggle with, with the whole thing, you know, um, and the one thing that surprises me over and above everything mm-hmm. is that, um, and, and these are really big companies, big corporates yes. as well, um, are str- still struggling with the concept of, um, uh, digital transformation. Yes. Where you think, but we've been on this path for a decade already. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, we should be get to the program. There's a whole second wave of disruption coming. There's robots, there's automation, there's algorithms, there's AI, there's all of these kind of things coming and we're still trying to digitize. I was like no, is, we is, need to is, speed it up. Is it not because they're navigating these massive ships? You know,
0: I yes. mean and, and that and that you know when you're on this ship, it's almost like you're existing in your own in your own universe, in effect. Sure. And so the things that happen around you, it's difficult to grasp how
1: Quickly they're coming at you and how quickly they can have an impact. And them. I think that's the problem. We, there's a, there's almost like a perfect storm that's, that that's So you've got, uh, a, a really sluggish economy. And in South Africa, we, we're in a recession. We've got, yeah. we've got high rates of unemployment. You've got all of these external factors. So just keeping your head above water and keeping your, <clears throat> your doors open yeah. is like a badge of honor nowadays. It's like you've done well. You've, you've, you've survived. You've, you've survived. Yes. You, you, you're not Stutterfords. You didn't like just close the doors and you know after hundred and fifty nine years. Mm. Um so 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 while that is a badge of honor, what a lot of companies don't do because they see it as a nice to have is look into the future bucket and look at future strategies yeah. and, and what's changing there. So we, we're in survival mode, so we look at that and but but I think that's a little bit too short sighted uh because in this day and age it, it happens so quickly that, that we really need to, to, to look into that other bucket and, and, invest a lot more time and energy, um, into it and understanding it. Yeah. So I know you went on a, on a tour was in the,
0: uh, in the United States. Yes. And yes. you studied, uh, about 50 different companies. Yes. It was uh, an innovation tour. An innovation tour. Yeah. Um, can you take us through that a little bit in terms of, you know, kind of what, what the key objectives were? Because I know what you had anticipated going on the tour and what it actually ended up
1: enlightening um, it was, in, in very, Lightning, different. It was yes, very different yeah. can you talk through that a little bit it was it was a fun tour because it was in New York <laughs> <laughs> fantastic it was an exhausting tour because like you said uh, in one week we did uh visited fifty fifty. oh was that one camp- week I didn't in realize week, it was one, in week. one wow. week okay um so some of them were just you know popping into retail concepts the reason what it, what attracted me to that to to that tour was the fact that they looked cross industry so we visited everything from 3D printing factories some amazing amazing like product design companies architectural firms uh, advertising agencies Fantastic. uh it was just all over the place. Um, so I was going there to see what that holy grail was of of innovation, because I think uh, every single company that word innovation you've got you know the your your CEO or the or the, the executives or the exco saying we want innovation. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going, well, how are you going to do that? You know, it's like this entity. It's like we want innovation. must yeah. you, know, so you must go and, and, and find innovation and do innovation. Bring uh, someone it's, who it's, can make yeah, us innovative. It's, uh, and like that's a bit of an intangible. So so when I came back from that that trip, uh, what Dawned on me um, was that all of those companies had a uniquely different operating system. They did not operate anything like the corporate structures in business that we see today. Okay, and it makes a lot of sense because uh, you know you, you the, 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 this thing going around saying um, you know your your traditional legacy companies are eighty years old, yeah. almost hundred years old, yeah. um, and your new agile companies have a lifespan of about fifteen years. Um, it's not to say that they just die and disappear, but they reinvent themselves and they, and they keep pivoting. Um, after those, after those 15 years, they, they completely reinvent themselves there. I see. And so, so when, when people say to me, you know, we're a proud, uh, legacy company, we, you know, we've, we've been around for, for those 80 years. We've and weathered say, the storm for I many say, years. I say, I wouldn't shout that out too loud in this day and age because it actually means that you are siloed. You're very hierarchical, hmm. and you are that big ship that you mentioned that you can't turn around uh, very, very quickly. And we're in this era where you need to make those quick decisions, um, and 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 be able to move and be able to turn that that that, that ship around much much faster. Yeah. I know it's a really difficult. Uh, uh, thing especially for the bigger the corporate is yes um and and i'm privy to to those kind of things because i uh, like you said i you know speak a lot so you know whether it's a it's a big bank or a big telecommunications company you know i will either work with the the ops guys or the the retail guys or whatever so you understand that there, there there's a lot of Pieces in the big jigsaw to make up this company, yes, um, and 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 trying to communicate one message throughout that company is really really difficult, but it's very very necessary. And some of those those are some of the learnings. If you want me to go through, uh, you know, from from that that innovation tour, um, that were a, a stark reminder of how we d- need to do things very very differently. Okay, so. Uh, the one, the one thing that, that I find, and I think everybody who's listening has got their own bank story where they've been throwing a phone against a wall or yeah. just pulling their hair out, um, you know, because you you, 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 there's bureaucracy, there's red tape, all of those kind of things. Um, a lot of the, the, the companies that I saw, um, ensured that there was everybody's on the same page so so in, internally internally okay the communication sounds simple enough cuz big companies got intranet you got you know yeah. all of those kind of things yeah. but it's it's amazing when you start digging into it and you and and you know we we we've got stats that we 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 provide in in the masterclass cuz you you're talking to the executives uh, mainly of, of these companies that um the vision that they have um, does not necessarily translate all the way down. Absolutely. So if people don't understand what the strategy or the purpose is, I'm, I'm very big on purpose. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's not, it's not a vision statement and it's not a strategy. It is what is your purpose? So, um, everybody's purpose would have pivoted. In the last three to five years, you cannot tell me that your purpose has not changed in the, in the, in, in the, in the, um, uh, recent, recent time. Um, and I'll give, give you an example. So there are a lot of furniture companies, um, a company like IKEA, yes. like that flat pack. Yes. Their purpose is to furnish your home as quickly as possible and as afford, and as affordably as you can. Okay. Uh, Domino's Pizza. A lot of people say, well, they're doing a lot of marketing gimmicks. They, they, Delivering a pizza by drone, by a little terrestrial robot, you know, it cooks as it's coming towards your front door and then you open the door. I say, but that's a, a different purpose. It's a pizza company, but their purpose is to serve you a piping hot pizza at your front door. Yes. Once you establish that purpose, it puts your company on a very, very different trajectory. You start looking at different skills that need to be put into those logistics or what you want to achieve. Mm. Your, the ecosystem of the company needs to change. All of those kind of things. So, so getting people all on the same platform. Is is really really important, and it's it's it's, it's surprising, uh, or maybe unsurprising, you know, that the, the the larger the corporation, that people just don't know. So we stepped into a a massive um, multinational uh, ad agency okay. uh, called RGA in New York. In New York, RGA. So they just moved into. Uh, Two floors of spanking new offices, amazing real estate, overlooking the Hudson River. Um, they literally just moved in and they said, Oh, please don't take pictures of the, of the, you know, the furniture that's being unpacked because we want to make sure that everything looks nice. Yeah. Um, what is interesting with that? So, so these are just I think, ways and means of how companies do things very subtly. And you don't think of this as innovation, but it is. So on the two floors, you could only enter the advertising agency on one floor. And the reason they did that, we said, so how come you block the foot, you know, the one floor? Can't you just get people there? Yes. They said, we've got 900 people in this office. Okay. Um, some of the time nobody knows that you actually work for the same company. So just by funneling people through one entrance, you actually just forcing people to bump into each other see. every day and understand who they are. Then, if you went into their their, their very large kind of uh, reception area, there's a big pause area where people can just sit and have coffee and stuff like that. They had screens, um, all, huge screens, uh, surrounding, wrapping around this this whole area, um, and they kept playing the ads that they had they had produced. So we said, you know, is that just a showcase? They said, look, it's sort of a showcase for the clients that come in, but he said they said it's more important because with 900 people in one agency, people would say people would say. Oh, did we do that Nike ad? Did we do that ad? And yeah. you're going. Yeah, we did. You know, so it's like you can't work for that company and not understand that you did. You know, that was part of what that company did so it's like simple things like that so you go down to a smaller company um like we popped into warby parker so warby parker is a an eyewear company they started online yes then they went offline so they did an amazon and they started uh doing this sort of tango between online and offline um but they have a uh a specific department called a culture team Okay, and they have what they call weekly or monthly uh, lunch roulettes, and they randomly pick people from the company, and they say, "Here's some nice budget. Go have a nice lunch uh, together and get to know each other." Wow! What that does is not only get to know each other, but get to know each other's divisions and problems within that division. So yes. you you understand. That silo has its problems, and maybe you can help in everything. And that's why I say, you know, siloed companies and hierarchical companies are very counterproductive to to innovation and to to, to disruption mm, because mm. You, you you can't think like that anymore. You need to have a much flatter structure. So uh, what we always advocate is your the old thing is I wanted to w- work up the corporate ladder. I'm going to be the CEO, and I'm going to have a nice corner office with yes. a, with a view and I want to be the king of the castle. You now no longer should be wanting to be the king of the castle. You want to be the center of the circle. So you want to have like a, a planetary thing with all of your teams orbiting around you yeah, I see. so that you can make those quick decisions and that, so that everybody's kind of on that same level so that you can operate things uh, a lot quicker. So you know, even some of the, the, the things I did, uh, the talks I do, the the confirmation process because it's got to go – up the hierarchical ladder, this one's gotta sign it off, then that that one's gonna sign it off, yeah. then it's gotta sign it off. You know, that's it's like guys, that takes too long. You need to think smarter, you need to work much quicker and faster because that's the the nature of where we uh the where where we are
0: in, in yeah. the world. So, so, so yeah. just quickly, I mean I'm imagining uh, a senior executive of a of a large organization at this point mm. folding their arms and sitting back and saying, you know, um it's all good and well to talk about these things and probably Make reference to your New York tour and yeah. say, um, those things work well because those companies kind of lend themselves to being innovative or to adapting very quickly. Yeah, How, how do we adapt that to your more traditional players? You know, I mean, if, if you look at a large government peristatal, for mm. example, a large financial services organizations that by nature of the work they do, you know, they're tied by legislation, they're yes. tied
1: by regulations. So how do they translate that and make that more practical for themselves? So, I mean, the, the, f- the first thing in fundamental, and, and it doesn't matter if you're a parastatal or a state and enterprise or anything like that, is just the, 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 the chain of command. I think that, that for me, is, is a really outdated way of of, of, of doing business. So, okay. so, so in the master class that we do, there's, there's a whole lot of checkpoints, and one of the checkpoints is allowing people to question the status quo. And I think we don't, the, those structures don't do that. So if you are that CEO that's listening is, you know, do you have mechanisms where those innovation ideas can come from every sector of, of the company? Yes. Is there a way of having some kind of autonomy within different departments so they can make decisions uh, a lot quicker? Mm. Um, and, and, you know, do, do you allow those, those ideas to bubble up instead of trickle down? Um, and, and I think the, 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 that question about can people question the status quo is not conducive to the business structures that we see at the moment. Yes. It's because we have a chain of command. Absolutely. I am your senior. This is this manager. This is whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and, and what you're finding. So, so the one company that I found most interesting, uh, cause it was a trend company. And I wanted to see what uh, what their methodology was, uh-huh. and I was pleased uh, to find out that we have very very similar methodologies. But the one thing that they do <clears throat> um, is every single day, they and it's compulsory for the whole staff to attend a sharing briefing at lunchtime. So everybody has to go there. But everybody can invite other people. So the cleaning lady sits there. The coffee person sits there. Everybody from the senior executives to whatever all sit in on this thing and everybody shares, because it's an information and a trend company, what they found. I see. And as things pop up. You just saw the whole sharing thing happen there because one it said, said, oh, we've seen this thing happening here. There's a trend there. Maybe it's not a trend. Maybe it's a fad, whatever. But then somebody said, oh, but we've, we're working with this client with that. That should actually fit into this. We can use it as a case study there. And suddenly you just saw this cross-pollination of stuff that's going around. And that I think is, is lacking from, from that kind of corporate structure. So yes, I get it that especially say if we're talking about, um, uh, financial services, you know, there's a lot of regulations and you can't kind of move out. Mm. Um, I beg to differ because there are a lot of players coming in to, to nibble away at the foundations of financial services who Absolutely. are not financial services. Providers. They are. Uh, take for example, uh, WeChat in China. Yes. Uh, WeChat. So uh, that's uh, you know uh, our version of of WhatsApp, but it's it's huge um, in the East. But a WeChat wallet is fundamental to you getting around in China because they are almost a cashless society already. And having a WeChat wallet and paying with your WeChat wallet is one of the, the most common ways of of doing things. And that's not a bank. Okay. You yeah. Know? Yes. So you're going okay. There's a lot of things that are you know that are happening. So so when people say, "Oh no, we can't do this," then it means that you are blinkered by your own your own perceptions of 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 where the borders are and where the the limitations are. Yeah. And and these the the, the younger startup companies, all of those things don't see those limitations.
0: Mm. But but I, but I guess then the question would be because I know you say you know innovation should should by and large come from within, mm. uh, but. In, in most cases, we see disruption coming from an external force, an yes. external factor. Yeah. Um, and so w- with that challenge, because obviously, you know, w- what you'd understand would be the way that you've done things. You're trying to work within <coughs> the regulations or the rules. And, and so being disruptive almost becomes counterintuitive yeah. from that perspective. So, um, how do we then marry the two? Um, you know, bringing in, you know, this, this disruptive force, but also I guess leveraging the legacy as it were. Yes.
1: So, uh, look, the, we talk a lot about Ambidextrous leadership. Yes. So, so being able to well to 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 write with both hands, but but also to 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 manage those dual strategies, and yes. that and that's so paradoxical for a lot of leadership. Is so why should I why should I disrupt the boat? And if we're talking sort of C-suite, in a lot of cases <clears throat> you've got uh you know a CEO that comes in. There's possibly a limited uh, number of years that they're contracted to before they 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 either move on. So a lot of them don't want to. Disrupt the ship too much, you know, so they're like, let's just keep it going. We keep the shareholders happy and we're not going to do too much change because I don't want to have that like legacy or if it goes wrong or whatever. So we'll just keep cruising along. And I think that's, that's the, the the one fundamental problem, which goes back to what we were saying is a lot of people are scared or don't see the need to invest in that future bucket uh, to do that. So, so if you're looking at, at innovation, that is one of the things that really is, very counterintuitive, uh, counterproductive for that. So, so first thing is a lot of companies have an innovation hub. Mm. Okay, um, and I say it is counterproductive to outsource your innovation. So, when I first uh, put this this talk together, and we were we were uh, launching this this report about innovation, um, I had a lot of people from innovation hubs in the room, and I was bit nervous to say this, like in front of them. <laughs> yeah. um, and when I said, you know, uh, innovation hubs are actually counterproductive, they all started nodding. And the reason they, they nodded and the reason why I said it was because what happens with an innovation hub is that CEO or the rest of the company say, they fold their arms and they sit back and they say, that's your role. And let's see what comes out. Come up with a silver bullet that's going to just transform the fortunes of this company and we'll all sit back and we'll… We'll wait for it to happen. So these poor guys are under stress and I've spoken to a lot of guys in, in innovation hubs. Um, and the problem is not the ideas. They're not short of ideas. Uh, the one guy that, that moved from different innovations hubs said the, at his last job, there were about 17 things to implement that ideas that they had that are ready for implementation. Yeah. But they couldn't get through the stack. Of, of, of to-do lists to, to try and undo that. Cause obviously that, that, you know, trying that one innovation thing is going to be, is, is, is a costly and it takes quite a lot of time. Um, so they said it's not that, but it is about trying to implement. So what you, you find a lot, um, in, in some C suites in different countries is there's a fast turnaround and a churn. So you'll get a CEO or someone that champions that bit of inf- innovation and then they leave. And then once the champion's gone, then nobody champions it, then it dies down and then you go. So you got, you know, two steps forward and then three steps back again. And it's very disheartening for those, for those teams. And again, if everybody sits and folds their, their hands and says, well, you innovate, you know, for us, yeah. then, and, and going to what I said before about the whole ecosystem and everybody being, being involved in it and, and understanding where the purpose and the trajectory is going. Having that outsource innovation doesn't help anybody because everybody just sits and waits for, for this, this innovation to, to happen. Yeah. And it's not an entity. So a lot of the time I say to companies is looking at your own ecosystem and how the company is structured is innovation in itself. Rethink that. So what you were saying, you know, we were saying about, well, you know, you've got uh, the, the structure. It's, it's hard. It's a, it's a slow ship to turn. Yes. But, um, in one of my uh, my classes for, for for one of the universities, I said to, one guy said um, he's really really amped. Uh, he loved uh, what he was talking about. Th- think about the innovation and what he can do about it. He says, "But um, I'm a logistics manager in a in a warehouse, and I can't change the whole company culture. So how do I take my excitement and yes. and implement it there?" So I said, "Have you have you asked your department or your your little fiefdom?" Uh, if they want to work differently. He said, no. I said, you can, you can ask them if there's just a way of doing without disrupting the functionality of that department and yes. the company. Yes. But, you know, if they shift workers or something, there's probably a little tweak that you can do, which will make them really, really, really happy to do things. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do that on Monday. And I said, you know, you can, you can, it doesn't, you don't have to change the entire beast. You can change small things, and that's what I meant about you know making small departments a little bit more autonomous. Take you know say how how do you guys want to do that? Don't shake the entire ecosystem, but if you can do something differently or more smart, uh, uh, work smarter, then. Go ahead and, you know, and, and, and implement that. So, yeah. so, um, th- that, concept concept's known as holocracy. So, so it's, it's companies allowing, uh, different departments to self govern or make, and make decisions uh, to themselves. so that the innovation can then brew yes. from within, and then eventually. So holacracies aren't for everybody because basically you saying, you this this department there, you've got uh, you almost like autonomous. You can make your own decisions uh, as as you go along. So a some managers don't like. Uh, getting uh, let go of their power, yes, and some of the worker ants don't want to take the responsibility of making those decisions. So, so are, are very tricky, but you, but it can, it can implement. If I talk about holocracies then there's a fundamental problem with uh, recruitment and trusting your staff. Yes. Okay, so, one of my case studies um, uh, from, from that masterclass was was Netflix. Okay. So, Netflix have a they have a. They said they're trying to eliminate organisational drag. Okay, so they don't ask you. So, if you you're doing stuff for the company, um, you don't have to put in your slips and, or like pay, uh, and or the expense claims the and all of that. The expense claims and all of that kind of stuff. Because they said we're assuming that we are hiring you and you are working in the best interests of your of your company. Yes, I think fundamentally, a lot of companies don't trust the employers yeah. their employees it's guilty until proven innocent which means you've hired the wrong people <laughs> you can't <laughs> trust them to just do what's best for the company then then you hire you know the wrong people then we then we can have a whole different conversation um i had it this morning with somebody uh, that that's you know talking about new ways of recruitment so if we talk about skills mm. then you hire for attitude you retrain for skills so you know so like a, a whole bank of uh, you know your academic learning sometimes not going to Fit into a company culture That's why you You retrain for skills And you and you hire for that For that attitude So it, it It is about those Employer-employee Relationships again Yes And it just keeps striking When when I talk a lot To To Really rigid corporate structures About remote working um, They go No 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 We can't do that We you know we want to Clock people Clock in You know Nine to five and yeah. that. But that's That's a it's a rather quaint and outdated, uh, you know, 20th century notion of of work. Yes. I mean, you work a 44 40 hour work week. It starts at nine, it ends at five, and like, why do we all have to get to the one place at the same time in the morning when we all actually work remotely? Yes. And technically, we all do. Yeah. Every single person that is listening has answered an email on their phones outside of offered hours. Absolutely. You've, you're you working remotely. You we don't have to do this. So there's a lot of Ways of not only recruiting but also making people happy and, and how they want to work. So the kind of the future of work uh, is is parallel to the future of business, and that for me is also innovation. So mm. so people must stop thinking of innovation as as this tech gadget or the app or something that's going to happen. A lot of the time, they can innovate uh, internally, and 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 that's what I see not happening. Okay, so let's talk about a few tools. I
0: mean, we've kind of set the scene in terms of what's happening, but I know there's um, some trends that 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 you have kind of distilled. Yes, um, and we speak about these three economies: yeah, um, uh, gig the gig economy, economy, the on-demand economy, and the sharing, sharing economy. Yeah, and and they potentially become enablers for for business as part of strategy. Sure, right, in terms of how they can position themselves. For a digitally transforming, disruptive world. Yeah. So, can we talk
1: through those economies and kind of the the, the learnings in each of those and how those can become practical? Sure. So, let's talk about the gig economy because that's what I was talking about. Uh, people wanting to work differently. Yes. And 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 especially if you if you if you look at the kind of very generalized but 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 quite accurate behavioral patterns of a of a millennial workforce. And then we at Flux already are focusing on Gen Z. Okay. Uh, so sorry millennials. Uh, you've had your, your, your day in the sun. <laughs> your time is over. <laughs> your time is over. We, we're moving on. Uh, and, and, and because Gen Z's are, are your adolescents, your teenagers, and they are now the, 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 the eldest ones are finishing school. They're coming into tertiary education. They're coming into the workforce. So these guys are not only your new workforce, they're your new consumer. They're going to start earning money. Yes. Um, And and that's a very, very different uh, way of doing things. So if if you look at those two generational groups, that nine to five, the one job that defines me is not, going to work so you know you've got that 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 slashy mentality you okay know, what i do I do this i do that i do that i do a little lot of jobs simultaneously so, so the whole thing about gig working um is is growing and growing and growing uh in tandem with remote working okay so so that's going to change everything and if you go back again to what i'm saying is you know all of these things that our labor laws the the factories and how we constructed uh corporations business templates are all spawned in what mid twentieth century uh, kind of thing. Everything's changed now. Yes, so we haven't changed with that. So so we still apply those twentieth century work uh, labor laws, all of those kind of things. And you're seeing the disruption in say like a ride sharing, whether it's Uber, Spotify, Deliveroo, you know all of these guys. They there's a they're not classified as. Employees, you know, Uber says they're partner drivers. Yeah. You know, there's like, where do we go there? We haven't got new boxes to put these, these things in. Yes. So gig work is, is, is going to just increase. Um, and you're starting to see very big companies latch onto that. So one example is, um, Amazon. So unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because uh, they do amazing things. Amazon's not really uh, prevalent in South Africa, but Amazon, where they are, have a program called Amazon Flex. Okay. So that's exactly they've taken a leaf out of Uber and it's a gig working uh, scenario. So they want to become the fastest online retailer globally. So Amazon um uh, Prime Now means that you are able to order something. So this is in in the cities where they they really dominate um and within an hour of you pressing buy on your tablet, your phone, whatever, you will have that delivery within the hour or two hours at most. Okay. And so effectively from the time I pressed the button to say, hours, hours, to say, yes, I want to purchase it'll arrive this. at your front door. I had a researcher that was stationed in Seattle and she, she did a test for me. Okay. And she said it arrived within an hour. The way they do that. So, so this is, that's what, that's what's That's what I find business so fascinating. So Amazon Flex program says we need delivery people. We need to, Distribution network. Okay. So maybe unemployed, maybe you're a stay at home mom. You miraculously have two hours for free. Yep. You join the Amazon Flex program. It's yep. very much like an Uber thing. You need a car, you need an Android phone and we'll sign you up and we'll pay you per kil- kilometer to, to do the stuff. And basically all you do is deliver goods within your neighborhood oh. for Amazon. And that is why you see their business strategy of buying the Whole Foods group. So anybody who's been to America yes. would, would be familiar with Whole Foods. They not only buying the other company, they buying the real estate of where all of those branches of Whole Foods are. So, so that they can have a footing into all those neighborhoods. Exactly. And so it's much easier, especially it's, it's hard to deliver perishable goods. Absolutely. So Whole Foods solves two problems. You can store the fer- Perishable goods in the centers and then you can distribute much quicker. It's a very clever strategy to, to kind of do that. So, mm. so the gig economy is going to grow. It's forming and, 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 and people are, are starting to understand it. But again, if we go back to corporate culture, we don't quite understand, uh, the concept of work swarms. So, okay. so at Flux, we, I have to walk the talk. So we, we use work swarms. We've got a small sort of permanent team and then we just bring in different, uh, Different team members with different strengths for different projects. Okay, because you start to look at work as a much more modular way of doing things. So per project, per this whatever, whatever, and you bring one swarm into to, to to handle that job. Uh, the swarm disbands. The next swarm comes in for a different job. Some of the members of the other swarm would come in, but not necessarily. So you you keep adjusting it. According to client brief or the project or, okay. or whatever, so, so is that thing.
0: not similar to contract work that, that we've yes. had in the past? Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. So what's the key difference? There's not really. It's just kind of a freelancing It's just they they're calling it a gig, the gig economy okay. because because it's become so widespread. Okay. So it's becoming um, the norm. It's, become, it's becoming the norms slowly, slowly. Okay. So if you look at that, then you go to the sharing economy um, and and the same kind of thing. Well, well, the sharing economy and and on demand is uh, let, let's let's. Talk about on-demand because that fed into the gig economy. So with okay. this Amazon Flex program, people want it. I want it now. Um, I want it seamless. I want it as quick as possible. Um, and that you see has completely changed, uh, uh, specifically retail. We've just uh, just finished a whole body of uh, research in terms of the new rules of retail, okay. and the the biggest findings there are is that your your last mile from Getting your product to the, to the customer, um, has been digitized and is on demand. And that is completely disrupting and changing the nature of how you do retail. So, you know, if you're listening and you've got a bricks and mortar store, um, you need to extend the store function of that. You need to rethink what you do with that real estate. Uh, there's, you can do stuff with it. In closing times there 's different ways of doing things there, um, but also meeting your customer halfway so we 've looked at a lot of case studies where you 're starting to see people um, just push that uh, what they sell uh, and it 's not just a product anymore i 'll get into that, but you meet the customer halfway or you take it to. To the customer. So, there's what, a do you lot mean, of, what do you mean by that? So, for example, one of the the, the most clever things that we've seen. Um, I've just done something for 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 an alcohol a chain. Um, so, two examples. One was in hospitality. So, a company it's a Scandinavian company. They're targeting female. Business travelers. Okay. So you, for the, the female business traveler and with all the algorithms, you kind of know what that person wants uh, in, in a different city. So maybe you go there, you're suddenly invited out to this business dinner. You don't have the little black dress or the shoes or whatever. They bring a, a fashion mini bar into your hotel room. Oh. So very much like little bottles of, of beverage. Yes. You open your closet and there's some clothes hanging there. Uh, And they're all designed for like emergencies or I want to go to gym. I don't know. Before you even get there. Before you even get there. You didn't even request it. No. It's sitting there. It's like a mini bar, but it's Yeah. And basically whatever you want to take, it's like a mini bar. It's just added to your bill at the end and you go home with the stuff, but you use it while you, while you're there. So another example uh, is a vodka brand. I went to the brand. Um, So – that's what I was saying to these guys. They're saying, you know, oh, shall we deliver? I'm like, why are you even asking that question? Yeah. It's like, what do you deliver is yeah. more the question. So this, uh, this vodka brand, they not only deliver, and it's on demand. So there's a promo video. You can see this uh, woman. She's sort of at a party, and she's like, okay, I want to order this. Uh, it'll be with you in five minutes. Uh, nice hipster guy comes in with a box, and he's not only bringing the vodka, but he's bringing a whole mixology kit. I see. So it's like you're taking not only the product to the customer, you're taking a solution and a service. I see. So it's that's why I said to to these guys, don't just think of deliveries. Like what else? What else are you delivering with that service to to create that? You know, so it's 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 just meeting people halfway, and then within that, there's a whole lot of variations of click and collect. Okay. So I buy and order online. I either collect there instead of them delivering to me. So we've seen with hybrid on and off retail, there's just so many different fragmented business models that have come, come out of that. So uh, that's the kind of stuff that you need to, to look at. because okay. This is all driven by the, the on demand um, economy. Okay. Then if we go to the sharing economy, that's, uh, that's a big chat because it's your companies like Airbnb. It's your car sharing companies like Uber, TaxiFire here in South Africa, Lyft in, in, in America. Okay. We are understanding with a sharing economy and that is being more and more pronounced specifically in a, in a millennial mindset. And then we go to Gen Z. Um, it's, it's just going to pronounce we do not have to own something to necessarily enjoy it or experience it yes so very much like the the car riding and stuff i'm i'm not a driver i'm a rider okay if i don't have to drive ever again we're <laughs> really really happy about that and i'm not a petrol head so my car does not define me yes okay. so i drive a little smart my petrol cost is 350 around a month lucky i'm you. very happy with that yeah um so i'm trying to think smarter with 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 that and and the sharing economy. So you're getting to a point where a lot of people are starting to question the the more these ride sharing apps uh, embed themselves. People are saying, do I need to buy a car? Do I need to own this car? So yes. I know a lot of people that live in say Cape Town city bowl, uh they can get around a lot. I stick in my hood in Joburg, so I don't really travel, drive uh, a lot and I'm traveling most of the time. So do I actually need to buy uh, you know, a, a new car. Yes. So as a result, so I mean, houses for a big pivot. So, um, Ford, uh, and I picked this up two years ago. They said they were going to pivot into d- digital mobility. Okay. So they're not going to stop creating and building cars, but they understand that the digital mobility, the growing industry is worth double the current automotive industry yes to just make the cars so they and uh literally last week uh, i had a fantastic trend confirmation and the next time i'm in new york i want to go there so um near the world trade center the oculus center they've opened a permanent um uh showroom that talks about a future without cars for, this is a car for, manufacturer yes talking about a future Without cars. Of mobility. So they're talking about mobility. They're not talking about cars. They'll still make the cars to feed into the mobility, but they understand that that's where we're going and – we want to be more mobile. And so that's, that's your, your sharing economy to starting to kick in and saying, yeah, do we need all of this stuff? So, so the mantra and, and, and this was the other findings for our, our retail research is it's a real tough one for, for retailers yeah. because, um, there's a lot, there's a, there's a, a large section of people, um, especially in older demographics, like, um, I don't want more stuff. Mm. I want stories. I want memories. Yes. I want experiences. So what are those, you know, experiences? So it's travel. It's, uh, go out eating out going with friends you yes. know all of those kind of things um and the the the, the research we, we did with gen z that's going to be a really tough one so if you're a fashion retailer and you're listening you would be you would normally be rubbing your hands with uh, a teenage demographic saying ah oh, we're going to sell them a lot of fast fashion yeah, the latest and, and the, greatest. the latest everything like that hmm not so much uh generally again generally speaking you've got uh, a very world Gen Z group, these teenagers. They're post-recession uh, generation. They're post-9-11 generation. They've seen war and terrorism sometime firsthand. They understand climate change, eco-sustainability, all of that kind of stuff. Hmm. They're not necessarily wanting stuff. Yes. They like tech. Their gadgets and technology uh, supersedes the need for fashion and clothing. And also, if you think about it, there is social media generation, okay. so my experiences define who I am more so than the product I am actually buying. If I get the product, it's, it's sort of a bonus, yes, yes. secondary. It, it's more about saying it's the experiences yeah. that I can showcase. So, so on that point, there is another disruption that brands and retailers have to to deal with, and this is these are one of these non tech disruptors that people don't see. So, if you if you look at Gen Gen Z. The I will give my very rare brand loyalty to a brand if they mirror my value systems, okay. And mirroring the value systems has become really, really, really important. And for big businesses, specifically the big brands, but especially your corporate companies, it's Uh never been their role to say this is where we stand on LGBT rights or whatever, you know. So, we're saying. These businesses need to be woke. Yeah. You need to really get with the program because suddenly these little undercurrents of pop culture and socio-political kind of stuff, the whole fees must fall, Black Lives Matter, all of these kind of things are starting to really make sure that this is where your brand stands out. And so there's uh, there's a a global server, Have Us Global. Did a worldwide survey, and the respondents was very interesting. Globally, 80% of the people said it is up to brands, big businesses, to push for positive change alongside government. It's not just government's responsibility to change. So suddenly, you're you in this business. All you do is look at the bottom line. You keep your shareholders happy. Now, suddenly, you've actually got to go out, stick your neck out, and say, these are our value systems, and this is where we stand on stuff. And and so, what,
0: and what have you seen? I mean, how, what companies
1: have you seen case studies of, of companies kind of starting to play in the space? So, so the, the closest one to home, well, we, we, we've actually seen uh, examples of that. So it was last year, Pastor Anderson. Uh, the guy that was going to come here and people just, they said, this guy's a bigot, a homophobe, whatever, we don't want him. Okay. And Malusi Gigaba was the Home Affairs Minister at that stage and he was just bombed on Twitter to say like, do not let this guy in. Okay. Eventually they didn't uh, let him, but, uh, I remember it was like Wimpy or Spur because he, this pastor said Oh he's going to visit These places And they actually came out And they said um, Please don't come To any of our stores We do not want ah. This happening And we're seeing it With these kind of Racist in- incidences You know Happening Yes, uh, With that The <clears throat> the really fun ones <clears throat> Well Nando's uh, Washington Because of Trump, the gift that keeps giving, uh, in this regard, uh, when he announced like the Muslim ban and all of those kind of things, you saw people come out immediately saying, uh, Airbnb did it, Nando's did it. You know, we we welcome everybody into our into our restaurants. My favourite ones uh, were focused, and they're very recent. uh, Was two examples one was during international pride month which was june okay um skittles we don't have skittles in south africa but it's like a little kind of m&ms type suite um it's normally rainbow colors okay yes and they said in pride month there's only one rainbow that actually matters uh, which was for pride and they changed all of their packaging and all of their sweets to pure white do you know what a logistic nightmare that must have been to Absolutely. repackage, like, for a whole month or whatever, all of your signature sweets, <laughs> multicolored, yeah. to just make them white and all of the packaging to, you know, to, to, to make them white. But this is kind of what you have to do. Ben and Jerry's ice cream, um, in Australia, cause they're fighting marriage equality, same-sex marriages, um, and it's being pushed in. So what they did from May, they said from May, we are banning anybody who wants a double scoop of the same flavor of ice cream? So unless we can have marriage equality, you can't have two scoops of the same <laughs> ice cream. I just think it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a really brilliant thing. It, it gets a brand noticed. Um, but, it, but it, it takes into account this kind of disruptive, uh, force of pop culture that you and being woke and brands being woke and companies being woke and saying, Hey, we need this kind of thing because what they understand is they want those, Young and more diverse customers, but they also want those younger and more diverse customers to come and work for them. Yes. And if the brands don't stick their necks out and say this is what we stand for, those younger guys are going to say, well, I'm not going to come and work for you. I don't believe in your value systems I don't believe. There's no. What is your social impact policy? What is your this? You know, these, these are the questions these young guys are going to ask them. And if they don't have the answers and say, well, you know, we just look after the shareholders and our bottom line, then you're going to say, well actually i don't know if i really want to work for for you, yeah. if, if that's the mentality and i mean if you think back to to i, mean, I guess our generation you're probably
0: asking okay what are the benefits mm. that you offer yeah. what is the pension plan or no exactly you know, or, you know all these a,
1: kind of i guess money orientated things and it's gone beyond that no absolutely it's, you know it's a it's a whole it's a whole different thing and 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 and, and the mantra especially for a, for a younger workforce is don't give me a job give me a lifestyle. And it makes a lot of sense. And if you if you know if you layer onto what I said earlier about remote working and you know the the kind of the blurred lines of of, of we don't work nine to five, you know yes. you, you, you just you you carry on you doing doing stuff. So so that lifestyle is really important. And and working for that company that resonates with my value systems. Is part of that lifestyle. I'm not coming to you for a job. I want, I want that lifestyle. I want to feel, I want to feel connected to this. I want to feel that I'm doing good through what I do there. Yes, I want to earn a salary, and yes, I do want those 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 things. But there's 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 a a higher purpose to to it, which is I go all the way back to what we were talking about earlier, and what I hammer home over and over and over and over to 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 our clients is, what is your purpose? Hmm. Because your purpose defines that. Or, or eases the disruptive process because once you've very clearly defined your your purpose and you've communicated it to to the rest of the you know the, the company then everybody gets it and says okay this is what we're working for we are trying to to do this and it can't be a a nice mission statement you know it can't be something that's a little bit odd, but it's got to m- m- resonate with everybody and it's like okay this is this is the purpose of what we what we're doing so it's like you know if you're a pizza company we are Delivering you a piping hot pizza at your front door. You I know. mean, that, it can't get clearer than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. So, so yeah, it mustn't be a mission saying like uh, we use fresh produce or whatever. Like We're <laughs> delivering that pizza there. You know, that's that's, uh, yeah. that's a very specific thing.
0: And so, Dion, I want to bring it closer to home, hmm. um, specifically in South Africa. I mean, you you operate from here as much as you've yes. got a very global perspective. Yes. What do you see emerging as a trend in for business, specifically in South Africa, and and and
1: how do you see that playing out over the next while well look i i see okay so on on the downside we uh, unfortunately there's, there's quite a lot of downsides uh, you know uh, there is is that we we're still dealing the the, the the level of the companies that i deal with still dealing with digital Transformation is is a bit concerning for me. Yes, because you know, it's like we should we should be much further along um, the, the 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 path with that. And then you know the, the whole talk of the fourth industrial revolution comes in, and how to, to 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 manage that. That said, if I look at the those small players that are nibbling away at the um, at the, the foundations of say the, the financial services industry, that gives me a lot of hope because you've got these young entrepreneurs that are trying to do. Do things with, uh, with South with, African, with, with South African. Yeah. Okay. Case in point, somebody actually used to write write for me um, has started a kind of a um, a an Uber disruptive app for for landlords and people who want to rent. Okay. So they he puts them together. Things called Hows Me, and in six months of launching, they have signed up. The same number of landlords wanting to rent out their places as estate agents who've been running for 10 years or, or longer. Wow. So you see, and, and the reason why I'm mentioning him specifically is because he went, he did his homework. Okay. He was also a, had a very promising career as an investment banker. Okay. And after being put in hospital, after be staring at a screen for how many hours, he just said, and again, that goes to that whole mantra of, I don't want a job, I want a lifestyle. He's mm. like, sod this. This is not <laughs> what I want to spend my days with. So he decided to be this entrepreneur. He went to Silicon Valley. He went to India to app develop. So he did it really properly. I mean, okay. a lot of research went into this this thing. Um, and and what that company is doing is also is offering, you know, uh, a little bit of uh, financial services everything. So he's going to nibble there. But the one thing he said to me was, when he went to Silicon Valley – The one thing was very clear. He said, in South Africa, we we don't have a shortage of ideas. We have a shortage of big companies who want to support. He says, if you're in Silicon Valley and you kind of get onto the radar and say, I've got something new, he says, you just get all of these companies sniffing around saying, what have you got? What are you working on? There's There's an interest there. Okay. In South Africa, we sit back and we wait and say, oh, that's proven itself then we'll come and knock on your door and and reinvest. We, we don't help the guys we don't enable them from the ground the ground up. Yeah. And I think that's 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 a yeah, that's a it's a it's a big stumbling block of of what we need to do.
0: Okay. So we do see then um these smaller companies I guess starting to emerge in our economy, Yeah. starting to I guess also make their presence known in terms of, you know, disrupting some of the larger established industries.
1: And for me what we what we've got in our uh you know, uh, in uh, um, as a positive for for us is, especially on the whole continent, I'm t- not talking just South Africa, yes. but 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 in Africa, is for me solution based innovation. So that for me is the the big lighthouse and the guiding light that that we need to to look at in Africa, because mm. sometimes, uh, or more often than not, we don't have the infrastructure, we don't have the the financing to do it. We'll solve the problem differently. Yes, and you see the the, the effects of the the makers fairs that they have uh, throughout the continent. So that's just getting a whole lot of people together, show some technology. Don't tell them what the technology does. Just say this is how it works. See what you can come up with. And yes. you know you've got people that put together 3D printing fact, uh, 3D printers from old technology, whatever, um, in uh, in Nigeria, four 16 year old uh, schoolgirls sixteen year old figured out a way of generating electricity using urine. Sure. And you're going, How the hell did that happen? You yeah. Know? So it it's that and that's why I say it so for me, innovation is what's everybody searching for. Solution based innovation is one notch up from that because it has purpose yeah it solves problems it solves problems that are that are very specific to africa about um communication about potable water about uh, sustainable energy about all of those kind of things and if i look into my little business crystal ball that is also the future of business is philanthropic business or let's call it conscious capitalism okay so yes we all want to make some money but we want to um, enable people, and we want to bring people with us as we as we grow and improve and, the world. And, and improve around the world. Us. So yes. it's not so you know, it's, it's not just bottom line driven. It can't be. It can't just be about the bottom line um, anymore. And yeah. I know if you're a CFO listening, then that kind of hurts you. But <laughs> um, but it's true. It's it's we we can't just have this. If you look at the the inequality that's growing around the world, and then specifically with a in a knowledge economy and, and technology coming through, we're going to get. Technological inequality, and okay. any kind of inequality is not is not good for for the whole society. So businesses have got to rethink, disrupt themselves in that way, and think how can they contribute to to not just look at the bottom line, but looking for for the greater good of of, of everybody. And okay. it's a very new role of, of business.
0: In fact, that, that's a wonderful place for us to lead into the wrap for for the show for today because there's two questions I ask ask all the guests, and and they're very simple, really. The first one being your vision for South Africa and Africa mm-hmm. uh, as a continent.
1: Um, what, what would that look like? Sure. It's to, to get on that technological express train, um, because we, we really got to up that, uh, you know, like I've been saying for, 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 for this whole, this whole conversation is, is I'm, I'm very concerned that, that we're still struggling with digital transformation. It's, a, it should be a, already a given. Maybe it's just the world I live in that, 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 that it is but a given. I, I agree with you. But, yeah. but, but, we need to do that. We, you know, we see and, and, and all the enablers, whether it's, it's data, it's the, it's the data costs, all of those things. So data must fall definitely. Yes. Those fees must fall definitely. So, so that's my vision there is, is to, to enable people. Cause if you, if you look at the major if you look at all of those things, I visited a robot uh, exhibition in London. When you look at the little kids coming into the into that exhibition, they weren't freaked out about these machines or robots. They didn't say, what is that? Yes. They went up to each individual. And these are like nine, ten-year-old guys. Went up to the robots and said, what do you do? They spoke directly to the robot, you know, so it's like, you've got an understanding This we've got to enable that. So, so the, yeah, that's for me is, is, is get everybody on, on the tech, tech express train.
0: Okay. And then my final question is, um, how do you define disruption? I mean, it's an, you live in that world, but if you were to distill it for me very quickly, how would you define disruption?
1: For me, it's, it's about changing business templates. Um, and and I think a lot of people see disruption as an external force, and I see disruption as a positive thing if you look internally into into a company, and and that's about those ecosystems, your people, uh, and 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 what to do with those people, and how you how you change the structure of the, of that company internally. And for me, that's a that's a good disruption. And an industry one, fantastic, Dion. Thank you so much. Thank we, you we so could, much. We could have spoken for another hour. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Uh, you got me on my on my passion wagon there. So. <laughs> thank you very much.
0: Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for joining us on the show again today. To our sponsors, T Systems, uh, once again for making the platform possible for bringing in the disruptors who really share knowledge with us on a weekly basis. Uh, thank you to T Systems South Africa. You can follow T Systems on www. to get more information on what services. They they can offer and also to uh download the podcast, you can go to um unoutsourced.co.za. Until next week, thank you very much for joining me and Bumint Lapo on Disrupt. We'll see you next time. This is cliffcentral.com.